morning, everybody. How's everybody? Everyone good? Welcome to New Life Church. Today's special day, once, uh, roughly about once a quarter, uh, we try to get three uh, weekends in like today, which is called Heart for the House. It's a day where we uh, get to come together as a church and celebrate a lot of the wonderful things that the Lord has been doing in our midst and how he is impacting our lives and how he's using us as his disciples to impact our world and to make a difference for the kingdom of God right here in Jackson and abroad as we're going to hear about some more of those opportunities and details of what God's been doing. Amen. Are you thankful for your church today? You thankful for New Life Church? Not the institution, not the name, but the people. Amen. Which was a little bit about what we talked about last week. We're in a series called The Church Is. We're going to continue in that vein uh, today, and I'll tell you the topic and the title here in just a moment, but we're going to go straight to the Word today. Uh, our main text, uh, where we're going to draw our direction from, is going to be found in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, and I'm actually going to be reading the, this portion of Scripture from the Message Translation. The other uh, Scriptures that I'll refer to and read will be from the New Living Translation, so it's, it's on the screen to follow along in case you don't have the Message translation available there at your fingertips. Acts chapter 2 verse 41 says this, that day 3,000 people took him who is Peter at his word, they were baptized and they were signed up. They committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the life together, the common meal, and the prayers. Everyone around was in awe. All those wonders and signs done through the apostles and all the believers lived in a wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and pulled their resources so that each person's need was met. They followed the daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home, every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful as they praise God. People in general liked what they saw, and every day, every day, their number grew as God added those who were saved. Let's pray over today's word. Heavenly Father, we are grateful to be alive. We anticipate the second coming of your son Jesus but in the meantime you have commissioned your people the church for a very important task and calling and that is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation to baptize those who receive you in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit to teach them your ways and your promise is that you will be with us every step of the way, all the way until your son Jesus comes back. We long for that day, but we are also grateful for this time, this moment in history, that we are alive. And that I thank you that we are alive and well in you. For your word tells us that it is in you that we live, move, and have our being. We open your word now. Speak directly to our hearts. Speak to us, O oh God. Align us with your will. Realign us where we've gotten off track. Reorient our focus. Soften our hearts where it's gotten hard. Clear up confusion where we've allowed it to happen. Bring peace in the midst of chaos. Straighten our crooked paths. Strengthen our feet. Make strong our stand. And help us, O oh God, to do what you want for our lives. We love you. And we give you our attention now. And anything that would stand between us and you right now, may it bow at the name of Jesus and not have any part in what you have to say to us today. 
speak to us your pure word and help me deliver it, O God, as if you, Jesus, were right here speaking to us. In Jesus' holy, mighty, and powerful name, I pray. Amen? Amen. You see right here off the bat, the early church, this is the very, very beginning. I think most of us, if we were living at that day and time, we would get our feathers ruffled a whole lot because church was not real convenient back then. Like it's real convenient right now in most places. 3,000 people gave their lives to Christ in one moment. The preacher was a, was a man by the name of Peter. He used to be a fisherman. The Lord called him to follow him three and a half years earlier, to follow him around on earth, learn from him, listen from him. He was the rabbi. They were the students. And just a few days earlier, he had denied him three times. He was sick to his stomach. He was sad in his heart. He was devastated. He was disappointed in himself. The Lord Jesus had a special breakfast for him after his resurrection from the dead along the banks of a sea, cooked him his fish, had a little private conversation. And he said, Peter, I know you're worried and troubled about a lot of things. And you see how everybody else is going about what's happening right now. But I need you not to worry about them. I need you to worry about yourself. Focus on what I have called you to do. And Peter, I know you denied me, but it's a new day. And I'm calling you to preach the gospel. I'm calling you, Peter, to be an apostle. You don't know what it means yet. You don't really understand all the things that I've got planned for you, but just trust me the way you trusted me the last three and a half years. Trust me now because I'm not leaving you by yourself. The Holy Spirit's about to drop from heaven. And it's going to be loud, and it's going to look crazy, and that's exactly what happened at the beginning of Acts chapter 2, the day the Holy Spirit was poured out on the earth into the people, and God started his church. 3,000. What a membership day. 3,000 right off the bat. Just, I mean, just like that. And so they were baptized. They signed up, meaning, hey, they didn't just put their name on the... Uh, I'm going to come to class list. I mean, that, when that talks about signing up, I meaning they, they were in it to win it. Kind of like Floyd Mayweather last night was in it to win it and win the big money. These guys were in it to win it. They didn't care. They had nothing else to lose. They were abandoning themselves to the call and the cause of Jesus Christ and to what he had envisioned for the kind of church to be set up. In fact, Jesus said this it was Matthew recorded it in Matthew 16 that uh, Matthew wrote it and Peter said it and Jesus re-explained it and he said the gates of hell will not prevail against my church because I'm building a church that will win I'm building a people who will rise up I'm building a people who will not cower down I'm building a people who will be courageous I'm building a people who will be bold I'm building a people who will be obedient I'm building a people who who will not mind discomfort and inconvenience for the cause of my cross and my name that's the kind of people he's building he's been building that kind of people ever since for 2,000 years he's been building a bride that he will come back and redeem a bride that won't be filthy and disgusting a bride that will not be called a harlot but a bride that will and will not be having blemishes and, and insecurities and all those things no Jesus is coming back for the bride who will be perfect and white and dazzling and silk who will not be ashamed to rise up and say I love Jesus the groom more than I love anything else that's the kind of bride that he He's coming back for and friends I got to tell you he is not ashamed to claim you as part of that he's coming back amen he's coming back they committed themselves to all kinds of good things to the teaching to the life together as people to the meals of sharing together and the praying of for one another with one another and and and, and then there was all kinds of signs and wonders that will take in place all kinds of signs and wonders, super, supernatural acts were taking place. People getting healed who were really sick. I'm not talking about a 
uh, you know, like a little fingernail that was like ingrown. I'm talking about literal, real issues that they had. Not that that's not important, but I'm just telling you, real things were happening by all of these people. So the b- believers, they even liked each other. They, they lived in wonderful harmony with one another. How about that? That's hard sometimes, but they did it. They pressed through. They made it happen. They took care of each other. They worshiped together. They celebrated together. And the world liked what they saw as they looked at the church. They didn't see division. They saw love. They saw people willing to bend and to bow their egos and their pride for the sake of Jesus. And people became saved every day. In other words, redemption was evident in the beginning of the church. Redemption was evident through the rest of what we know about the church. Today I want to talk to you on this topic. Last week was we said the church is relational. Today I want to talk to you about this. The church is redemptive. The church is redemptive. I've had the privilege over the last 26 years to travel a lot of places in different venues, different opportunities, all with the common thing of the church, in and out of a lot of different churches all over the United States, uh, in Toronto, Canada, in the Philippines, been around, seen a lot of wonderful things, seen people, a lot of different cultures, and a lot of different ways of expressing love and worship to Jesus. But one thing I saw through all of it and have continued to see is that the common thread is love born out of a cross, grateful for forgiveness, and willing to rise up and love and pronounce unashamedly Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I want to be that kind of person. Anybody else want to be that kind of person? Unashamedly rise up to proclaim Jesus unashamedly i'm not talking about just you know when it fits the conversation but unashamedly be bold for christ amen the church is redemptive the church is significant in god's plan there's no plan b there's no other alternative has been this way will be this way till jesus comes we talked about the different descriptions of the church last week you can go to the website uh this week if you want and pull that uh message and download it and listen to it the church is relational Today, talking about the church is redemptive. You know, to be redemptive, here's what it means. It means to deliver, to rescue through a purchase. In other words, there's a price to pay for redeeming something or someone. We know how that works with cash, with money, with credit, with plastic. You have to pay a price in order to get it, right? And that's what Jesus did when he redeemed the people, when he redeemed this world. He gave his life. He paid the price for redemption. There's always a price to pay when it comes to redeeming someone or something. We see the plan and the evidence of redemption carry on throughout the book of Acts. By Acts chapter 4, uh, it, it, the scripture tells us that many people believed and the number rose to about 5,000. It started at 3, it went to 5,000. By chapter 6, 1, it said the believers were increasing in numbers by leaps and bounds. Leaps and bounds. By chapter 6, verse 7, it said the word of God prospered so much that the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased dramatically. Increased so fast that by the time you get to Acts chapter 9, Saul, the Pharisee, and the murderer of Christians was converted and became Paul the Christian. That's how much of an impact of redemption was having in the beginning of the church. And then Paul goes on, God has him penned right, all the, so many parts of the New Testament, all these letters that you read called the epistles. Redemption was evident in the local church. And church, I want to tell you that redemption is supposed to be, a, is part of God's plan, but it is also part of his plan through the church. That the church, every local church is called to be redemptive. So I want to, I want to take a few minutes before I carry on. I want to Talk about how our church has been redemptive over the, over the last six months. Just the January through June. You guys got a few minutes for that to hear the God stories of how God's been working in the life of New Life Church, using you and using me and collectively using us together to expand and spread his message and to help so many people and to help us. 
Well, first, I want to, I like I do in pretty much most Heart for the House services, I, I, I present, if you're new here, I would present a little picture snapshot of our financials. So I'm going to show you uh, the last six months and kind of what things look like, okay? January through June. And as I talk about these, I want you to keep this thought in your mind that numbers that you see on the screen represent ministry. So if we could show the first uh, part of this right here. See, operations, which is what we call facilities, ministries, and personnel, out of what was given, we, we uh, invested and expensed out 83%. Underneath that, you see next-gen summer camps, plus 12%. What that means is out of what our budget called for, we actually went in and, and invested an additional 12% into our next-gen summer camps uh, this summer. Our, our young people, our elementary kids, as well as our teenagers, making camp a little more affordable, a little more reachable for our children to go. And catch this. This is pretty significant. Over 60 young people from our church and within our community that our children invited went to summer camp this summer. 60. 60. That's like big for us. The next one, missions, da 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 all across the 11%. You see underneath that sowed plus 5%, meaning above our budget, we sowed an additional 5% into the mission field around the world in the first six months. Why? Next one, because of debt reduction. You heard me talk about this in April at our last Heart for the House. You see that 16%. And so what you get when you total that up is 110%. So it is possible to give 110% of effort when you actually are a good steward. Because what we did, we took money from savings back in April, and we paid all of our debt off back in April. If you forgot about that, let me remind you, this church is officially debt-free. And because we're debt-free, we're actually able to sow and give into more missions and ministry than we were able to do before, which is always a good thing. And so that is a snapshot of the first six months. Now, let me give you and tell you exactly what all of this translates to. You ready? Hold on to your seats. You can clear the screen. You ready? You ready? We've seen record attendance in many consecutive services across the board. You all have been so faithful giving your tithe and offering in a way that honors God by putting Him first, obeying God by doing His Word, trusting God by believing His source. As a minister, we are officially debt-free. So many of you have been so faithful in contributing to our outreach ministry, allowing us to be involved in helping to clothe the naked, feed the hungry, house the homeless, help provide irreversible life change to so many people in Jackson, Madison County through our partnerships with Arm, Rifa, D.C., and, the, and, and Eden of Youthtown. It's not over. We baptized 10 people, dedicated three children, welcomed two new families as members. Our next-gen ministry has seen record uh, participation on Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights with Awanis and Glare Youth, along with this year's summer camps. We have been on target with our mission to reach, teach, and lead people into a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ through the gathering of the gospel and the Great Commission. I say it fast for a reason, for effect. Here's what all that translates to. We paid off our debt early, which is a testament to God's grace, a giving congregation, and good stewardship. We invested more into our next-gen summer camps, which is a testament to the value that we put on our young people. We gave more into missions and outreach ministry is a testament to say that we actually care about people outside of our four walls. And we have baptisms and baby dedications and memberships, not to look cute up front, but because we are making disciples three and four generations deep. Come on, church, that is worth, like, ending the service right now and going ahead and eating and chowing down because God is in our midst and we as a church are expressing redemption, not only right here in Denmark, but in Jackson and Madison County, all the way around the world to South Africa, all the way around the world to Malawi, all the way around the world all the way around, this church is making an impact. And, and friends, we're able to do that because, first of all, God is with us. Secondly, because you are good givers. 
And thirdly, because we practice good stewardship. I don't do any of it on my own. I'm not the brains behind all that stuff. I have a few thoughts. But we are surrounded, I want you to know, we are surrounded by good leaders in our church who help shoulder the load, who help pray us through, who help make good decisions, and always remember that God is the one who gives us the ability and the call and the cause to do it all. I'm thankful I don't do this by myself. I don't take credit for all the good. As a leader, sometimes I have to take credit for the bad. But for the good, I want you to know, it's not me. It's all of us together. It's a, con it's a corporate, collective effort as the body of Christ and what I believe is what we're called to do, to continue to express redemption to our world. Can we just, I know we did it once, but can we do it again? Can we just stop? And can we just thank the Lord with praise and thanksgiving for a moment? I'm overwhelmed by God's faithfulness. I'm overwhelmed because I don't deserve to be in, in front of you. I'm overwhelmed because God, some, for some reason, put his hand on me 26 years ago and said, now's the time. Today's the day of salvation. It's time to follow me. And I'm overwhelmed that every day God chooses to still love me and believe in me and continues to have purpose for my life. Even over 26 years of serving him, and going on 20 years of full-time ministry, that God, he has a sense of humor that he'll use me. And secondly, he's just good, he's faithful. And you know what, it's not exclusive. He believes the same way about you. That wherever you are in life right now, the message of the cross, the message of heaven, the message of Jesus is redemption that he paid the price for your soul. Not so you could just get sit in some church and sit on some chair and just kind of pretend you're going through life in a righteous way, but no, so that he could put fire in your belly, so that he could burn away the chaff in your life, so that he could destroy every stronghold that has ever held you captive. So that he could put so much faith in you to believe that you could actually fly. God thinks so much of us, so much of you, more than we realize. And that is one big reason why we have to come together every week is to be reminded of that and to remind each other of that same promise. So what does the rest of the year look like? And in, what does the next year really look like for New Life Church? Glad you asked that question. You guys are asking the right questions today, I tell you. Well, let me say some things like this. We will be in this dynamic as a church of setting up and tearing down for another year. 2018, though, is a pretty mile, big milestone year. 40 years as a ministry for this congregation. 40 years. Next year, 40 years. 40 years ago, a group of people out of this fellowship, a few of them are still with us today. Brother Charles, where are you at, Brother Charles? There you are, sir. 40 years ago, <laughs> Brother Charles and some other members gathered together and prayed and believed God for a church. And that celebration is going to be taking place next year, 40 years. This, this young man, Brother Charles, he still shows up every Sunday. The chairs you sit in, he goes through, and if they're not set up, he sets them up. And if they're set up, he straightens them up. And then he walks the campus and prays before anybody else gets here. He's been doing that now for 40 years. 
which is, I think, one reason why we got to have chairs so Brother Charles can come and do that. <laughs> Next year is pretty monumental, as I said, 2018. It'll be 10 years for Haley and I to be the lead pastors of the church, 20 years for me personally in full-time ministry. How many years? That's crazy. I don't even look 21 to you, right? Right. And it'll be 20 years for my wife and I to be married next May. And here's what I want to tell you. I sense in my spirit that some big things are on the horizon for New Life Church. One of them being that we will be given premium property and facilities for which we are standing on the prophetic promise of the Lord that he will do this for us. Not for selfish reasons, but he will do this for us because he wants us to do some things for him. As a word we got two and a half, almost three years ago, that God would give us premium property and facilities. I don't know where you are in your faith scale or supernatural believing scale, but it happens. And I'm believing it to happen for us. Will you stand with me in that? Will you join with me, continue to believe God for that? To not get tired and doing some of the good that we're having to do physically, the labor, the coming early, the staying late, and different things like that. Will you continue to stay with us in that? Because I believe there are some big things on the horizon. So, in closing, I got two things I want to leave with you. Two, I just really want to talk about this. Two ways that New Life Church can continue to show redemption. You guys want to know? A couple of you do? Okay, I'll talk to the couple. Number one, a way that New Life Church can continue to show redemption. Serving others. Serving is a spiritual thing. I know it's a physical thing we do, but it's a very spiritual connotation involved in it serving others that two ways of looking at it one the doing side which is the action the being side which is the attitude let's look at it john chapter 13 real quick It'll be on our screen john 13 verse 1 says before the passover celebration jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world return to his father he had loved his disciples during this ministry on earth and now he loved them to the very end and it was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So, he got up from the table, not mad, got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin, then began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel they had wrapped around him. Verse 12, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again. That's psychedelic right there. Let me read it from my pages. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and he asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You called me teacher and Lord, and you were right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. Verse 15, I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Serving others. It's action, but it's also attitude. Serving. Jesus demonstrated this, and it communicated a few things. One, it communicated his love by serving. His disciples showed that he loved them. It communicated his humility. He was not so high on a pedestal that he couldn't come down to where they were. He got up from the table and got down on his knees and washed their feet humility it also communicated by serving it communicated value upon those whom he served jesus was telling peter and those around him look if i don't wash your feet then you can't be a part of me and i really want you to belong to me see when we serve other people whether it be an action or attitude it communicates you are valuable, you are significant, you matter. 
I don't care who you are. I don't care where you're from. I don't care what you have to offer. I love you. I'm humble. And I want to serve you because I want you to know how much you need. And it communicates this. Serving others communicates a good example. Jesus said, I have done this as an example for you. Now, you need to go and do this with each other. Serving communicates a lot of good things. And here's the thing that we've got to remember. We always run the risk, like Jesus did, of being betrayed by those we serve. Now, i got to tell you, that's tough. That's hard. Right? But Jesus still washed the feet of his betrayers. I feel like a part of that was he knew it was going to happen. He said he knew it was going to happen. But just to demonstrate a willingness of going the extra mile, which is something Jesus taught us about in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Beatitude, the Sermon on the Mount was, hey, I'm going to still wash your feet because I still want to believe that you can change. I still want to believe that you're not going to follow through with what it is you've got in your heart. I'm still going to demonstrate love, humility, and value. I'm still going to do it to you as, this, as the way I'm doing it to the other 11. Jesus knowing that if it didn't change, if he didn't change, it was going to hurt. But you see, friends, as the church, that is the risk you and I have to be willing to take. That is the price you and I have to be willing to pay to show redemption. To do it for people who can't do a darn thing for you. To do it for people who will let you down. Because see, look at, let me, let me just express to you the, the layers of meaning to the word betrayed. It means to disappoint the hopes or expectations of someone. It means to be disloyal to someone. It means to disclose in violation of confidence. It means to deceive. Well, there's a lot of dis words in that meaning. <laughs> the sound system betrayed me just now. Friends, there's a lot of people you and I come up, come up against, come to, come, come in face with, be in church with. That the risk you and I take of serving, because Jesus said to do it, that means we, we have to do it. That we're supposed to do it, to serve in action, but also in attitude. Running the risk of being disappointed. Now, I know nobody's ever been disappointed in this room say that tongue-in-cheek we run the risk of being disloyal having someone be disloyal to us we run the risk of someone deceiving us we have the risk of somebody basically taking advantage of us if you ever found yourself in that shoe in that place of life jesus knows exactly what that feels like but he still says, serve, serve, serve. How do we show redemption, New Life Church? By continuing to serve. It's an act, it's an action, but it's also about being, it's an attitude. And what do I mean by the being of the attitude? It, this is what I mean by that too. When it comes to serving, continue to be engaged. Continue to be connected. Continue to be active. Continue to be a part. Continue to be present corporately as a church like this. If you're ever offended at a brother or a sister in the, in the Lord, don't ever stop coming to the corporate gatherings. Be humble enough to extend forgiveness. Be bold enough to offer an apology. Right? Last time I checked, those are still attributes of a Christian. You know the hardest part about being right sometimes? Is being right without hurting somebody else. Because we can still be right about something, 
but still use the rightness in the wrong way and hurt. That's probably one of the hardest things to balance is know you're right, knowing you're right. Doggone it, I know I'm right. I didn't do anything wrong. But not choosing to take that right and wrong somebody else. It's called take, practicing the skill and the discipline of not having to have the last word. And it depends on how you're made up. We're all made up differently. Some of us came out of the womb with the last word. Some will go to the grave with the last word. But sometimes the last word will never be forgotten or forgiven because it was a right that was used as a wrong. Does that make sense? Continue to be connected. Be engaged. Allowing your children, our young people, to continue to connect and worship together and be together. They need that just as much as us adults to do. Amen to that, church? Amen to that, church? Be connected. Be engaged. Be a part. Be active. Be present with a ministry serve team. Be a part of one of our ministry serve teams. Get involved there. Get in the trench of ministry. Extend yourself. Inconvenience yourself to show redemption. Jesus never promised that it would be a pretty walk through the park serving him sometimes. He says, there, where I go, I don't have a place to lay my head. Everybody else does, the foxes do, the birds do, but I don't have a place. If you want to follow me, you're going to have to just deal with it sometimes. If you want to follow me, you're just going to have to suck it up. Oh, Jesus said it that way? I don't know how he said it to the fishermen. All we have is what was written. But I just know I myself would be one who would be inconvenienced for following Christ back then. I like my comfort, right? I like to order it my way and get it my way. Don't you? I like to call the shots way more than I should. I'm prideful more than I should be humble. Sometimes I think the wrong things about people when I know it's a sin. I'm sorry, I thought we were in church where you bring your sickness to the healer and you get well. Isn't that what church is about? We all have a sin-sick nature. And last time I looked around, there's more people in the world who are hurting that need the church to be healthy. And that's what I want to do as a pastor. I want to get and have a healthy church. Not so we can make up t-shirts and say, look at our name. And not so we can have a cool building and people will be like, oh, you guys got a cool place. But I don't want it to be said about us in the community. New Life Church, those dudes are for real. Those gents are legit. Those ladies, they are modest. That church loves people. That church serves until it hurts. Because that's a price we pay to show redemption. Amen? Lastly, this is the last point. I only had two. Here's the second one. Good thing I didn't have like five today, right? <laughs> You're not supposed to be that honest with me. <laughs> How can we as New Life Church continue to show redemption over this next year? Serving, here's the second one. Showing kindness to the broken. Showing kindness to the broken. For time, I'm not going to read the story, but it's found in 2 Samuel chapter 9. 
I go back Old Testament to talk about the church because of the characters, the people involved here, and what it foreshadows. You've got King David, who just became king over all of Israel after a long, drawn-out ordeal. The former king Saul and his son Jonathan had died in battle, and David gets up and says, Hey, is there anybody left from Jonathan's house and family that I can show kindness to? So he sends a messenger to find out, and they find out, Yes, Jonathan has a son, but he's crippled. Is that going to change things for you? I'm just reading between the lines. Is that going to change anything for you, king, because he's crippled? It's like, no, what's his name? Mephibosheth is his name. Where does he live? He lives in a place called Lodabar. Okay, go get him and bring him here. Now, what you have to understand is that he's from the former regime's family, those who used to be in control. David's the new one the new king, and so when the people show up at Mephibosheth's, he's freaked out, because the plan at those times was you take out all remaining heirs, so there's no possible way of overturning anything of the new king in royalty. So he's freaked out, but they bring him to David's palace, he bows and cowers down in honor of David, as he should. And David said, Mephibosheth, I want to show you kindness. I want to give you all the land that belongs to you from your family. And I'm going to make some of my servants actually serve you and take care of the land for you because I see you are not able to. And you're going to always eat here at my table in the palace. I mean... Wine and dine, you name it, they got it. You hungry, they got it. You hangry, they got it. Some of you are hangry right now, so I'm trying to hurry up. You've got King David is a foreshadow of King Jesus. David showing kindness, foreshadowing Jesus showing kindness. You've got Mephibosheth living in a place called Lodabar. Here's, here's the deal. So you've got Mephibosheth, who is broken, living in Lodabar, which is a literal, it was a parched, pastureless place. So here's what you got. You've got a broken person living in a broken place. Sound like our world? We've got broken people living in a broke-down place. And you've got the king wanting to show kindness to the broken. That is Jesus wanting to show kindness to broken people in our world. How does Jesus do that? Through you, through me, through us, through the body of Christ, through the local church. Shows kindness to the broken. Now, here's the question. How did Mephibosheth get broken? How did he become crippled? Was he born that way? No. He was not. He was not born that way. What happened, what had happened was when word was sent back to Mephibosheth's place, say that five times fast, he had a caretaker, a nurse, and he was young, he was little. Word was sent back that, hey, your grandfa- the grandfather saw the king dead, your dad, Jonathan, dead. The nurse freaks out. So what does the nurse do? She picks up Mephibosheth and tries to run out. And as she's running out, she's in a hurry. She trips. He falls. He becomes broken. It was not his fault. Most of the brokenness in any of our life is really not our fault. doesn't mean we don't have responsibility or take ownership. It just means the devil wants you to believe it's all your fault. You're stuck. You're in this mess. You're always going to be like this. It was like this for you. So-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so way on back when in your family tree. It's going to always be like that for you. The devil is a lie. And as a born-again believer, you don't have to believe that. If you're not born again, the truth of the gospel is Jesus breaks all curses. He became a curse for the curse to set you free. The king giving his life for the people. 
And what does that teach us? Here's a couple things I think it teaches us. One, we can't be in a hurry to show kindness to, to the broken. His nurse was in a hurry, dropped him, became broken. I propose to you today, and I submit to you today, that we go way too hard, too fast, too hard, too often, that we walk by, drive by, zip by a broken person, and we fail to show kindness to them. Sometimes I think we're rude. I'm not saying you. In general, people are rude to those in the world. The church should not be that way. Sure, we put on the happy face, cheerful face, a, a smiley face for church service, right? But do we express that to other people? Showing kindness to the broken in our world means we've got to slow down and not be in a hurry. I'm preaching to myself. It should make me upset when I go through the day too fast because it makes me overlook the needs of those around me. And oftentimes, it's those in my own household. If I had a dollar for every time my girl said, Daddy, look at me, I'd be retiring right now. I'd be filthy rich. So would you as parents. But we don't get dollars for daddies, do we? We don't get dollars for mommy's show. Look at me. And how it makes me think how many times I have walked past, driven past, forgotten about people in this world who are broken. How will they hear about the good news unless someone tells them, Romans 10? How will someone tell them unless they are sent? Jesus sent us already. That's why the feet of those who travel with good news is lovely. I don't know about you, but getting good news on a bad day is like a fresh drink from the water fountain that's fresh. It's like having Gatorade pumped into my veins. It's fresh. It's, re it's, re it's filling. It's satisfying. Right? Especially when it, the heat index is 102, 104, and you're stuck outside, and you're just drenched with sweat like at Barn Fest last weekend. Even though it was a good experience, and it was good to see people saved, it was hot. But I say all that to say this. I'm glad somebody slowed down for me. This is crazy. I haven't even thought about this in 26 years, but it just came to me at this moment. The night I got saved, I was at a youth rally van in West Helena, Arkansas, believe it or not, at a Nazarene church, believe that or not. the group that was playing the music that night and the title of the preacher's message, you know what it was? No parking. No parking. Meaning, hey, don't continue to park in the wrong places of life. Park yourself in the right place. And friends, there are plenty of broken people you and I could park ourselves beside if we would just not be afraid. If we would just get over what somebody else might think of us. There's always a price to pay to show redemption. But the price is always worth it. Our church has been showing redemption these first few months of the year. We're going to continue to sh show redemption. Pastor Lindsay highlighted some of those things. And we're going to continue to do so into next year. And God willing, the year after that, and the year after that, and the year after that, doesn't matter how big we get, what kind of building we're blessed with, it doesn't matter. It's not going to stop sh us from showing redemption to the people of Jackson and abroad. Because that's what we're supposed to put our lives on, showing redemption. Amen.
Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life. We must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our life. God, I thank you that you hear us today. You hear our prayers. You have heard our praise and our worship given to you. And you get glad when your people celebrate and rejoice in your name. And you get real happy and glad when you see your people work together for the common good of the kingdom of God because of what it leads to. It leads to people who are broken and who don't know Jesus to be made whole, to be forgiven, and to have their name written down in the Lamb's book of life. It's not up to us to put a name in it or to try to take a name out of it. It's impossible. But what we can do is we can serve. What we can do is show kindness. So Lord, this day, we're going to be eating here in a few minutes, coming together for a wonderful meal. I ask and pray that you would so fill this place, fill each heart, each life, with joy unspeakable, with peace undeterred, with righteousness irrevocable, with life unmistakable. Fill us this day. Help New Life Church continue to be the church that you want us to be right here in this place. We love you. And we thank you for the privilege of being a part of the fold and the family of God. In Jesus' name, amen.